welcome back to the Not Your Mama podcast. This is your host, Kelly Bryant, creator and founder of Kelly Bryant Wellness, and I am a prenatal, postpartum, and women's health expert. I am a yoga teacher and personal trainer, and I help folks throughout the spectrum of life get a healthier core and pelvic floor. What does that mean? Well, we're going to be touching on one aspect of that today, which is sex. So I want to be clear, I am not a sex therapist and I'm not a doctor. So what I'm sharing today is a lot of kind of firsthand experience of what my clients have dealt with. I've been very lucky that this has not been a huge issue for me personally, which means that I am a little bit more detached and have, uh, I can share some of the data as opposed to, um, the drama that that definitely comes up, rightly so, around sex. So we're going to be talking about what to do if you have pain with sex, but I also want to offer that if you don't have pain with sex, but you're just like postpartum and you're kind of not, not feeling it, this one might still be worth a listen for you because nerves and the pelvic floor definitely influence your enjoyment of sex. And it is a hundred percent possible to regain pleasure. Let's start with why are we talking about sex? It is my deeply held belief that pleasurable sex is our birthright as humans. We are designed to have enjoyable sex so that we continue the human race. And also, sex is really good for the nervous system. So I'm not that deep into it yet, but I am reading Kimberly Ann Johnson's Call of the Wild, which is about the nervous system and trauma and how we process. And if you have experienced any kind of sexual trauma or are just interested in this topic, it might be a really good read. It's The book is not just about sexual trauma, but she talks a lot about sex and the nervous system. And one of the things that in oversimplifying the nervous system, which I am definitely guilty of, one of the things that we miss is the fact that there is healthy, heightened nervous system states, right? So when we are in an up-regulated state or a sympathetic nervous system response, we can be in fight or flight. And when we are in fight, that's a really healthy way to respond. Flight is as well, right? So these are healthy ways to respond to threat. And threat doesn't have to just be life and death. It can be a healthy way to respond to challenge in general, right? So if you think about like your work, being in a flow state, for example, may be one way of being in an alert, heightened nervous system, lots of blood flow, right? We're oxygenating the blood. Like that's a healthy way for humans to be some of the time. And you can kind of be, when it comes to sex specifically, you can be in an upregulated or a downregulated way state in the nervous system. You can be in fight or flight, more aggressive, engaged, or you can be downregulated, more passive, right? And both can be healthy, especially as a tool to kind of re-engage with the nervous system and to teach it a healthier way to be upregulated or downregulated. So that was a 
very brief aside. And if you're interested in this, I would encourage you to go get Kimberly Ann Johnson's book, Call of the Wild. Um, but just kind of as a teaser that sex plays an important role in our nervous system in the way that we as humans experience the world, the way that we kind of regulate our bodies. It is a very natural physiological process that we are designed. If you are someone with a vagina, then you get an erection just like, I mean, you can Google like what, um, an erect vulva looks like compared to an erect penis. Like they both go through the, uh, getting kind of engorged with blood and all of that. Like you're designed to have sex and to have good sex. So that was thing number one. There's also evidence that, um, female orgasm has all kinds of other health benefits, which I do not remember off the top of my head, but it would be a fun Google if you want to go check it out. So hopefully I've sold you on the idea of sex. And I want to distinguish sex from the um, kind of like puritanical religious ideas that many of us hold around it, which is something that I am still very much processing and is uncomfortable even for me to talk about. But here we are. So we have a lot of shame around sex as well. And a lot of beliefs around who's supposed to have sex, who's allowed to enjoy sex. And I want you to just suspend those beliefs for a moment and believe that you, whoever you are, are designed and are meant to be having good sex, whether you're married, whether you're cis, trans, straight, gay, however you identify, you are still supposed to be having good sex or still designed for that. And that that is not a shameful or an embarrassing thing. And that might be something that you have to work through with a therapist, right? Like I can't wave a magic wand and be like, see, sex isn't shameful. You better now. If you have sexual trauma, sexual, you know, any kind of um, a history of sexual abuse, then that may be something that you need to actually work through because think of it as being like for your health, right? If you had an injury to your body that prevented you from exercising, you wouldn't just be like, well, exercise isn't for me. I mean, maybe you would do that. I have people do that all the time and we have to work through that. But you would be like, no, I know that exercise is really good for me. It's beneficial. I know that there's lots of people who enjoy it. I want to be one of those people who enjoys it. And so I'm going to go to a doctor or to physical therapy or to a trainer and do what I need to do so that I can enjoy movement. And the same is true of sex. So from here on out, we are going to be, I'm going to be kind of assuming that you have a regular partner Um, and that you can kind of work through these things one-on-one with a regular partner. I guess go get yourself one. If you have sexual issues, you need to work through as far as pain and pelvic health and things like that, because it is something that requires a lot of trust. So why does pain with sex happen? There's kind of two types of pain with sex. And one is the like kind of more, um, I'm going to call it superficial. And I don't mean that like in the colloquial sense of superficial, but I mean physically like on the outside of the vulva. So one thing that happens after birth is there can be tearing and trauma to the pelvic floor that leaves things like 
very tender, very sensitive, or conversely, not very sensitive. There may not be as much sensation and our own experience or emotional mental state during sex can also influence that as well as lubrication. Obviously, I I hope that's obvious. So aside from getting yourself lube, which is probably what a doctor is going to tell you to do, it might be worth sitting and talking with your partner about the fact that things feel different, maybe feel funny, and exploring what you might do by yourself or with your partner. Again, trust is really important with this. You want to make sure that like you really feel comfortable with anything that you're asking them to do. And if you're not a hundred percent, like, I don't mean like consciously, cognitively, reasonably, you know, you're, you can convince yourself that you're safe, but like do on a nervous system level, do you feel a hundred percent relaxed? And if you don't, then this is something that you probably want to do by yourself. And that's going to apply to a lot of things that we're talking about today, but can you just touch around, I'm assuming everything's fully healed, right? So for my postpartum people, if you had significant tearing or episiotomy, everything's a hundred percent healed and you have complete clearance from the doctor to have sex, to do whatever to that tissue. Can you do some kind of scar massage, right? So can you mobilize the tissue kind of touching in that area and gliding the skin like side to side, forward and back, in and out, pressing down, just mobilizing those tissues so that the tissue doesn't feel so stuck, right? So we're taught to do C-section massage. If you had a C-section, hopefully you were taught to do scar massage. And if you've had a scar, then you probably have like an awareness, like a deep, deep incision kind of scar that goes through all of the layers. You're familiar with the idea of like, it gets stuck. Like it feels like the tissue there doesn't glide as well. And if you imagine what's happening during sex, penetrative sex, there's some gliding that needs to happen. Like you need those tissues to shift and move in a healthy way. So scar massage would be the first thing that I would recommend. And I'm totally making this up. So if you Google, you know, perennial scar massage or something, you might find something you might not, but I'm just suggesting take a finger or two, possibly lubricated if that feels better to you, clean, obviously, and rub in, out, side to side, front to back, just mobilize the tissues, varying pressure. The same thing may help with nerve regeneration. There is, um, according to what I've read, nerves can regenerate. The nerves that give you touch sensation can regenerate for many years postpartum if there was a birth injury that caused damage to the nerves. So do not lose hope. If you're feeling like it's numb, I don't really feel anything. You want to make sure that you're encouraging nerve regrowth by stimulating the nerve endings that are there and by, you know, getting more blood flow there. What did we talk about? Blood flow, arousal, arousal creates blood flow. So again, talk to your partner in a trusting relationship and be really clear about what creates arousal for you and what doesn't. You may find if you are postpartum that like between putting a kid down for bed and trying to get aroused, you need to like go take a shower or have some other kind of like ritual that helps you transition from being in parent duty to being in partner duty. And this is coming from a wonderful guest speaker who we had inside of Reclaim who was talking about sex, but 
a lot of new parents feel very touched out, right? So things that may have been arousing in the past, types of touch or things like that that used to be arousing might not feel so arousing anymore because you're like, oh, I just don't want to be touched, right? So maybe it's some other like verbal or visual stimulation that's more effective for you because it's like, ugh, I just don't want anyone hanging on me for five minutes. So explore that those things can change between pre-kids and post-kids and throughout our the years of our life. And they may go back, right? They can go back and forth. So making sure that there's significant arousal, that anything, any kind of contact that's happening feels 100% safe. And if it doesn't feel safe with a partner yet, you're doing it by yourself until it does feel safe to invite someone else to participate in that. And that's just kind of like the external stuff, right? So lubrication, mobilizing scar tissue, and um, regenerating nerves, making sure that the nerves are getting back to um, where they've always been if there is um, damage to the to the nerves from birth, for example, or from any other you know injury or surgery or things like that. Then there's the kind of like deeper, what I'm going to say is like more common typically when people tell me they're having pain with sex, which is like the actual penetration inside of the vagina is painful. So that may still be like more superficial in that it's around the opening, but it's vaginal as opposed to in the vulva, in the kind of tissue surrounding the vaginal opening. Hopefully that distinction makes sense. Similarly, self-massage. So if it doesn't feel 100% safe to your nervous system to have someone else do this, do it to yourself first. Use one or two fingers, clean, lubricated, to just touch around the opening of the vagina. And you can play with, okay, if the opening feels good, what if I go a little bit deeper? You can you can adjust that and play with it. And there is a whole generation of women who, if they told their doctor that they were having pain with sex, the doctor told them something like, have a glass of wine and lighten up. That is incredibly frustrating and invalidating to your very real human experience. So I want to acknowledge that first. And second, to note that the nervous system or your quote unquote ability to lighten up does play a role which is to say, I always tell my clients who are having pain with sex, if you are having pain, stop immediately, right? So don't like what I tend to hear people are doing. I was going to say what I tend to see, and I'm not watching anybody have sex. So what I tend to hear people say is that like, they'll try to just kind of push through and sometimes it gets better or it feels okay, or it's like fine, but not good. If you are in what I'm going to call sex rehab, (laughs) You are only allowed to have sex that feels good, that has a positive association. (coughs) And the reason for that is because your brain builds pain pathways. So the first time you experience pain with a certain thing, you know, when you, for example, if you twist your ankle, the first time it hurts, it takes a pretty significant amount of trauma to cause pain. But then each time you try to keep walking on your ankle and then you haven't let it fully heal, it's going to be more and more painful from less and less input. So when it comes to pain with sex, we want to break that neurological connection between pain and sex. We want to say, no brain, sex only ever feels good because each time you bring pain back into the equation, 
you're backtracking a little bit. And I want to be clear. I'm not saying like, oh my God, if you have like an ounce of pain, then you've ruined everything. I'm just saying like, if you, you know, one time or just like whatever, I'll power through and you go through 20 minutes of sex that hurts, which I know definitely there are folks out there who are going through a whole lot more than that. Like every single time for their entire life. So that like, you know, just kind of grinning and bearing it, gritting your teeth and getting through it, that will cause the brain to revisit this neurological pathway of sex equals pain. And it's going to be harder. You're kind of taking two steps forward, one step back when you do that. So we want to avoid stepping backward. And so this is the section for the partners. If you have a partner who is like motivated by challenge, this is the part they need to listen to. You are in training, my friend. This is the sexual off season. And they always say champions are built in the off season. Your only goal right now in the bedroom is to give your partner as much pleasure as humanly possible and to not do anything that causes them discomfort. So they're going to put, to really kind of expose themselves and be vulnerable by telling you every time something feels a little bit off or a little bit funky. And I want you to think of that not as a criticism, but rather as a huge trust leap that they are inviting you into their experience of sex in a way that they probably never have before. So right now, your your source of pleasure is in giving them pleasure. And they get to kind of hold the control of when, how much, how far, and how fast. And your goal is just to achieve exactly what they're asking for. And that can be incredibly empowering for both of you, right? Like the ability to do exactly what your partner wants is pretty pretty freaking impressive. So they're going to be vulnerable and they're going to be very clear about what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And you're going to be really receptive and excited and interested in making that happen for them. So again, this is your sexual off season. Champions are made in the off season. When you are in recovery from pain with sex, this period of time, this time that you're doing kind of like the recovery is the most important time. And it is a big investment that you're both making in having amazing, mind-blowing sex for the rest of your lives. So it is definitely a worthy goal. And for both people in the partnership, I would encourage you to make a commitment to one another on how much you're going to train, how, you know, how frequently and do your best to commit to that and to get creative if you need to around what do you need to do to get yourself like mentally and emotionally in the mood to do that quote unquote workout. (laughs) So I'm done with my, uh, my workout, my sports metaphor, my sports metaphors are weak at best, but that is where you're at right now. It's just this idea of like you're in training and these are workouts and your results are going to be aligned with your effort. So that's an important part of this too, right? If this is not a priority to you right now, zero judgment. 
zero shade for that. You are a hundred percent allowed to just say like right now, this is not the most important thing in our lives. We are in survival mode and we are going to like circle a date on the calendar for six months or a year from now when we are going to like start our sexual training. And that's a hundred percent fine. But in the meantime, don't have bad sex. Having bad sex or creating more negative association with sex is possibly, according to the therapist who came and spoke to our group, is possibly one of the worst things you can do for your recovery. Now, I want to make a couple quick recommendations of specific products. Franklin balls, you want the um, small, they're all adjustable um, firmness. I will put a link in the show notes to the ones that I have had recommended from the pelvic floor PT I very much trust. Those are what you would use externally, kind of like around the sit bones and stuff. And I can also link to a couple video tutorials on how to use them. So those are Franklin balls. And then the other thing is the wand. I will link that as well. That is for more of the kind of internal um, vaginal canal. It, the wand is kind of, it's very similar to a dilator like a pelvic floor PT would work, would use, but it's curved in a way that makes it a little bit easier for you to hold yourself for um, self-massage. So I will put links for those in the show notes. So definitely go over to the show notes if you are someone who has pain with sex. I'm also going to recommend a book by a colleague, Christina Holland, Dr. Christina Holland. She's a pelvic floor PT and she has a digital book called The Pain-Free Sex Playbook, I believe. I will get links to that in the show note as well. So those are some amazing resources that you can take on for further learning And hopefully if you are not someone who has uh, painful sex, but you stuck through this episode, I hope you've come away with some takeaways. If you, if you want to share those takeaways with me, I would love to hear from you. You can email me hi at kellybryantwellness.com and share what you learned or what you took away from this episode, or you can tell me what you were doing while listening to this episode. I just assume everyone is nursing a baby or driving carpool, but you can shoot me a message and let me know what you were doing while listening to this episode. Have an awesome week. Any of the resources mentioned in today's episode will be available in the show notes. So go ahead to your podcast app and open up the show notes, or you can find them right on my website. And I would be so grateful if you would share today's episode with a friend. So just go back to your podcast app, hit the share button, and send the link over to someone who you think would benefit from this. And lastly, if you want bonus brownie points, you can go rate and review the podcast. This helps new subscribers find us and get some awesome benefits from listening to today's episode. Thanks again for being here and have an awesome week.